Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Man, JM is working overtime today. Thank you again for leading us into this program today. Second show of a double header, so to speak, on Locked On Mariners. I am D.C. Lundberg. We are wrapping up our week-long series looking at the top Mariners of all time, position by position. That will end in the first half of today's show. We are talking about the DHs. And in the second half of the show, I will be answering your questions in the fan mailbag segment. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked on Mariners on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or any other podcasting app that is out there. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any of the other shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners and follow me on Twitter also at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G if you're scoring at home. Wrapping up the series this week, once again, for the sixth time in five days, is Locked On Mariners contributor Jonathan Miller. John, thank you for joining us all this week. Thank you ever so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure having you on the show also. We were talking prior to recording this one about the DHs, and aside from maybe two or three guys, nobody has any sort of tenure at designated hitter. We will. Our lists, again, are very, very similar. One and two are the same. Three is where we differ, but we'll start with three anyways. I will let John say his number three designated hitter first. Go for it, sir. I have at number three, Nelson Cruz. The recent Mariner. Yes. In his four years with the Seattle Mariners, he had 163 home runs, 414 RBIs. That goes with the slash line of 284, 362, 546. For those that are quick at math, that makes his OPS 908. That's huge. Yes. And that's an average, an average, ladies and gentlemen, of 41 home runs per season as a Mariner. And an average of 104 RBI. And some of those teams were not the best. No, they weren't. (laughs) And he was an all-star three out of his four seasons. My number three is, going back in Mariner's history a little bit, Richie Zisk. He only played 315 games as a Mariner, kind of... Two and a half, three seasons, 286, 347, 463 slash line, 49 home runs, 52 double, 141 RBI, which Nelson Cruz averaged in a season. And the reason that I am omitting Nelson Cruz, ladies and gentlemen, is the same reason I didn't want to put Robinson Cano on the second base list, and that's because he has been busted for performance-enhancing drugs. He was part of the biogenesis scandal, I think when he was a member of the Texas Rangers, and... Personally, I'm just not comfortable putting any person who has ever popped for PED use on a greatest of all time list. But that's just me. I know that there are differing opinions out there. Uh, Number two, we both agree on this, is Ken Phelps. He played 529 games as a Mariner, hit 249, but his on-base percentage was almost 400, 392, and he slugged 521, 105 home runs, 53 doubles, not much of a doubles guy. When he hit it, it was generally going out of the ballpark, 317 walks, which is a very high total, um, 337 strikeouts. He struck out a little bit more than he walked, but the on-base percentage is obviously very, very high. Zisk and Phelps kind of... I was debating on whether to put one of them number two and the other one number three. I kept flip-flopping them. But I went with Phelps because of the higher on-base percentage and the higher slugging percentage for number two. Anything to add about Ken Phelps, John? 
No, not really. He did wind up netting the Mariners' Jay Buhner. Well, I'm, that might be one of the best things that he did. No <laughs> offense to him, but... <laughs> <laughs> one thing else I remember about Ken Phelps when he was an Oakland Athletic, um, Brian Holman. And I know, I think everybody knows where I'm going with this. Brian Holman had retired the first 26 batters he faced. Ken Phelps comes up as a pinch hitter in Oakland Coliseum. And not only does he ruin the perfect game, he ruins the no hitter, he ruins the shutout, he hits a solo home run. And I love Dave Niehaus's call of that because you can just hear his excitement deflating as the ball is traveling out of the ballpark. It's it, it's it's funny to listen to. I mean, I'm sorry, Brian Holman, I'm sorry, but that 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 call was kind of funny. He wound up retiring the next guy. I mean, a one, a one run, one hitter is nothing to sneeze at. That's a tremendous pitching performance. That one blip, that one blip is what did it, John. Yeah, and Holman was a good young pitcher for a while, too. If I recall, injuries are what got the best of him. I believe so, yes. Yep. Speaking of injuries kind of getting the best of somebody, it kind of happened to the number one guy. It's Edgar Martinez. And if his if if he didn't get injured, he probably would have remained at third base. But the Mariners wound up DHing him full time by 1995. He was kind of DHing and playing third base in 93 and 94. But you in terms of designated hitters in Mariners history, John, this guy has to be the king. There is no other choice. He has 309 home runs, 514 doubles. This goes with a slash line of 312, 418, 515, which makes his career OPS 933. Which is third among Mariners, I believe. Griffey is higher, and I think Alex Rodriguez is a mere one point higher. Yes. So so when you're talking about one point, they're, they're basically the same. Yeah, exactly. Edgar couples this with 1,261 RBIs, 2,247 hits, 1,219 runs. He had five silver slugger selections, seven all-star teams. And for someone who was a designated hitter, that's pretty good. That's that's enormous as a designated hitter because a lot of those were played in National League ballparks where he was only available to pinch hit Philadelphia in 1996 and 2000 in Atlanta spring to mind. As a matter, I think he participated in the home run derby in 2000, if, if, if memory serves. I think you're right, yeah. yeah. Another thing about Edgar that I admire, the 514 doubles. He couldn't run. So when he was getting those doubles, he was hitting him into the, into the gap, and he wasn't legging many out. Yeah, when you say he can't run, he only had 15 career triples. <laughs> and this is after, I mean, this is kind of after the, the I believe it was, a, it was a rib injury and a side injury that kind of limited him to DHing. He also didn't strike out very much. His, I'll get back to the strikeouts in a second, but the on-base average is 418. That's 106 points above his batting average, which was already high. 1,283 walks versus 1,202 strikeouts. He drove in more runs than he struck out. That's just insane to me. And he also had a number of league leader seasons. He's a two-time batting champion. He led the American League in doubles twice. Led the American League in RBI once. That was 2,000. He led the league in on-base percentage three times. In 1995, he led the league in batting average, on-base percentage, OPS, doubles, 
runs scored, which is amazing for somebody who couldn't run. And he played all 145 games that season. It was a strike-shortened season. Supposed to be 144, but then the, the uh, one-game playoff against California. And among the all-time greats as a Mariner, he is the only one whose entire career was as a Seattle Mariner. Aside from Felix Hernandez, who's in spring training this year with the Braves. His magnificent career landed him a place in Shrine in Cooperstown. Yes, indeed. It took him a while to get there. But uh, I'm certainly glad he was there. And in Cooperstown, in the hall, in the plaque gallery, his plaque is right next to Mariano Rivera's. Which, And I think there's come some kind of sick justice in that, in that Edgar was seemingly the only hitter that Mariano Rivera could not get out. And they were, they were in, inducted on, on the same day. I just love that Edgar's plaque is right next to Mariano Rivera's. I don't know. I don't know. I've got that kind of sense of humor, gang. Any honorable mentions, John, that you care to mention? Uh, my first honorable mention is Kendry's Morales. He had a pretty good season as a Mariner, the one full season that he had. Yeah, in his short time with the Mariners, he had 30 home runs, 104 RBIs, 43 doubles, 211 hits. If that were one whole season, that would be a career year for most players. Sure would. He had a 259, 323, 422 slash line which puts his OPS at 7.45. And the one full season he spent with the Mariners, he slashed 277, 3.36, 4.49, which are very, very good numbers for a designated hitter. But again, we're kind of running into the same problem here, especially as we did in left field, in that there are very few players with any sort of tenure. And with designated hitter especially, Aside from the players that they used every day, which were so few of them, the managers kind of tended to use DH as a timeshare position to kind of give players a day off here and there, which they did that after Edgar Martinez retired for the most part, and a little bit before also. Mike Blowers and Edgar Martinez kind of split time at designated hitter in the early 90s, if I recall. I believe you're correct, sir. And for that reason, I have no honorable mentions. Do you have anybody else? My... uh Second honorable mention, and kind of like I mentioned in the previous show, this kind of comes with an asterisk because he's spent such a short time Mm -hmm. in the major leagues and with the Seattle Mariners, but if he can really start producing, and that's Daniel Vogelbach. Oh, thank you. I actually was going to mention him. I'll let you go first, though. Even just last year, since that's most of his stats with Mariners... But last year he had 30 home runs. He has 34 career home runs. His career slash line is 205, 322, 413. His OPS is 745. One thing about Vogelback is going to strike out a lot, and he has struck out a lot historically. And that's kind of why I was ragging on Mike Zanino. But two things differentiating the two. Not only did Zanino strike out an over 40% of his at-bats as a Seattle Mariner, which is a huge number, Vogelback hasn't struck out that much, and his on-base percentage is just insane. He's got a great eye. Last year, he accumulated a 208 batting average, but his on-base average was 341. That's almost 135 points higher than his batting average. The man knows the strike zone. If he can shorten up his swing a little bit and kind of fill in the holes that that he's got, then I think he could probably be a 230 to 250-ish hitter while maintaining the power. 
Yes, he, he struck out 149 times last year, but he also walked 92. Yeah, I mean, it's I, his on-base average is just insane compared to his batting average. That's why I think he's got more of a future as an offensive player than Zunino does. Oh, definitely. And talking about DHs, he is a DH. I mean, I know he's worked his behind off trying to play first base, but the the mobility just isn't there. And he does. He is a very, very hard worker, ladies and gentlemen. He's got the right attitude. Kind of takes everything in stride. And if, if he fails, he's kind of like, if you fail, just try, try again. He's got that kind of attitude. I like the guy. John, we're going to let you go at this time. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Six shows in five days. Where can people find you on Twitter? Thank you so much. I can be found on Twitter at SeattlePilot69. Very good. Thanks again, John. It was a real pleasure having you on the show this week, and I'm sure that you'll be back throughout the course of the season. Thank you so much. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. The trivia question for the day is a DH-type question. The Mariners' leadoff hitter in their first ever game against the California Angels in 1977 was their DH that day. Who was it? If you've got a question for me or a comment on the show, please send an email to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com, and I'll consider using it for the Friday Mailbag segment, which is coming up on the other side of this commercial break. Locked On Mariners will return upon the conclusion of these very important commercial massages. Welcome to the second half of Locked On Mariners. Here once again is your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you once again, J.M. Welcome back to Locked On Mariners, ladies and gentlemen. Answer to the trivia question, the first batter in Mariners history, the leadoff batter in their first game, rather, was the D.H. that day. Who was it? It was Dave Collins, who went 0-4 for 4 with a strikeout against the California Angels that day. Time to open up the Friday mailbag, and because the first segment ran long, this is going to be something of an abbreviated mailbag, not going to get to a whole lot of questions. One email definitely that I want to address came to me uh, in the middle of last week. Uh, a gentleman named Joe sent in a very long email with a lot of questions, and I'm going to get to a few of those today. Not every single one. I'll save some for next week for a couple of reasons, because I got other emails also. I'll address some of the questions that he Pose. The first one was this. With the talk that surrounds Dunn and the starting rotation looking like it's going to be Marco, Yusei, Sheffield, Graveman, and Walker to start this season, doesn't it make more sense to have Dunn start in AAA to begin the year and use Cortez and possibly Chen to piggyback? As far as Chen goes, he's had a very bad spring training. I wouldn't be surprised if he's released before the regular season starts. And as far as starting Dunn in AAA, I think you're definitely onto something here. However, AAA is a very offensive league right now, and developing pitchers in AAA is impossible. Most pitchers these days are being developed in AA. So I think you're onto something, but I would put Dunn in AA to start the year to further his development. If he doesn't wind up in the bullpen, I th- the bullpen might be filled with the start with the pitchers who don't make the starting rotation. As far as Sheffield goes, I have said a lot of negative things about him on the show. So far, he's had a very good spring training. The control problems seem to have gotten better. He's got a new pitch he's working on. He's working with a two-seam fastball rather than a four-seam fastball. That came out a few days ago. So I am cautiously optimistic now about Justice Sheffield. My opinion of him has changed. 
But I do definitely think you're onto something with Dunn starting in the minor leagues. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Another question, kind of in the same vein in terms of minor leagues. He asks, has the league done anything to address the ball used in Triple A, or do you think that we are going to start seeing more pitches jump from Double A to the majors and start to see more power bats from Triple A and not do as well in the majors, or was last year just the exception? Triple A is going to use the same baseball this year than they did last season, so I do think you're going to see more pitchers jump from Double A to the major leagues, sort of what I addressed in the in the first question. Uh, the Pacific Coast League in particular is a very offensive league, as I said. It's because of the ball. They're using the Major League Baseball, uh, which they had not done in the past. Double A and other leagues use a different Minor League Baseball. But Triple A is using the Major League Baseball, and that's why the jump in offense has occurred. And as I said, they're going to continue to use that Major League Baseball, so it's going to continue to be an offensive league. And hopefully they change it in the future because nobody can develop a pitcher in Triple A anymore. I will use one more question from Joe before I get to the others. And he asks, If Gilbert and Kirby continue to progress and Graveman or Walker puts together a solid year, would Jerry trade one or both of them this year to add Dunn and Gilbert to the rotation, or is that too soon? I add Kirby because I think that if Dunn doesn't stick as a starter, that he is the next name up. I think it's much too soon for Gilbert and Kirby. They both had their first taste of minor league ball last year, and pitchers need more time to develop than that. And as far as Graven and Walker being traded to make room for one of the younger pitchers, no matter who that might be, Graveman possibly, Walker probably not, even though Walker's only on a one-year contract. If I were the Mariners... I would be looking to sign him to a longer-term deal if he has a good season. I'm not going to speculate on what the Mariners want to do or are going to try to do, however. Dunn is probably the next one up on the list, and his progress should be monitored, whether it's in Double A or the bullpen or really wherever he winds up. He is kind of the next one on the list who's anywhere near the major leagues. I don't think Gilbert and Kirby are near the major leagues. Joe, thank you very much for those questions. We will read more of them next week. We're going to move on to our old friend John from Fife, who sends in the following. Who is your all-time favorite player and why? My all-time favorite player is not a Mariner. My all-time favorite player is Cal Ripken Jr. I started getting into baseball when he was breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive games played streak. I thought that that was very impressive. And just watching him on the field at that time, you could tell that he was somebody important. And watching him play shortstop, he al- he looked almost regal out there. You could tell that you know there was something special about the guy. He just had an aura about him when he played. Or at least that's the impression I got. But... Um, Cal Ripken Jr., basically for the longevity and for the fact that he was really, really good for a long period of time. And then a six foot four shortstop was an anomaly, and a shortstop who could hit with power was an anomaly. And a six foot four shortstop who could hit with power, who was also a really good defender, was an anomaly. It still is an anomaly. And honestly, because of Ripken, I grew up more of an Orioles fan than I did a Mariners fan. Although when he was getting ready to retire, the Orioles had a fire sale in 2000, I want to say, and they were just terrible. And then the next year was Ripken's last, and 2001 was also the Mariners' great season. They all kind of coincided with one another, and I really began rooting for the Mariners at that time because I am not a Peter Angelos fan in the slightest. The Orioles were no good, and the Mariners were... And my favorite player was no longer with the Orioles. So I I still kind of root for the Orioles, but not nearly as much as I did. I'm already over my time, unfortunately, so I'm going to wrap it up with one quick final question. Comes to 
us from Lucy from Bellingham asks, are you married, single, or dating? I'm single. This has been the Friday Mailbag. If you've got a question, I still have questions in the bank for next week, so we will have a mailbag next week. If you got a question, though, please send it in to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com or just a comment on the show. doesn't necessarily have to be a baseball question either. I'll answer just about anything just as long as it's appropriate. Thanks for tuning in this week. It's time to go, but please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any of the other shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners, and follow me on Twitter also, if you would please, at DC underscore Lundberg. I hope you enjoyed this series, looking back at the best Mariners position by position. I know I enjoyed recording it. Thank you again to Jonathan Miller for joining us all this week. You can find him on Twitter at SeattlePilots69. That'll do it for today. Ask your smart device to play Locked on MLB upon the conclusion of this program. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful weekend. This is Joey Martin letting you know that we'll be back on Monday for another edition of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.